Hey, welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. And I'm a firm believer that our community and our circle of friends help us grow and help to make us better. And fortunate for me, I was able to connect with another dad. His name is Rod Richards, and he actually hosts another podcast on fatherhood called Four Fit Fatherhood. The two of us started talking, and we decided to collaborate. So today I'm going to share my interview with him. He's also sharing his interview with me today. Again, the number four, Fit Fatherhood. If you'd like the full scope of our conversation, put the two pieces together, and I think you're going to be truly blessed by that. But the conversation that I had with him for my podcast, I think, is really going to challenge you. You're going to hear some of the decisions that he has made as a father, and I think you're going to find that this might be a really wise way forward as a dad. But I'm not going to give it all away. You can just sit back, relax, and you can hear what he had to say. Here we go. I felt called to be a father. I didn't feel like I heard my wife tell me I was going to be a father. I felt like I had heard, like I said, time slowed down. It felt like some ethereal voice was like, you're going to be a father. Like it, it was some, some different feeling that I had never felt before. And all of the things that I had done and accomplished and all of the pats on the back and the high fives, None of those things felt like that moment. If you're a dad who wants to embrace your God-given mission, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also get more content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you want even more than that, then head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com. Well, man, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I am as well. And just for everyone listening or watching, uh, we've already had a conversation on your podcast. So if people want to get the full scope of everything, uh, make sure you go check out the Forfeit Fatherhood podcast with Rod Richard. And you can check out the interview that I that he did with me. And you can join that with this episode and you can kind of get, you know, everything put together that we're talking about. But uh, I, I love what you're doing. I love I love kind of our stories align a little bit. I think that's kind of unique. We both started our podcast in June of 2021. You started at the beginning of the month. I started on Father's Day. And I, I think that's really cool. We might talk a little bit about that. But before we jump into all the meat and potatoes of the conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do, all the all the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh I'm a husband and father of two. Uh, me and my wife have been together for 15 years, but we're high school sweethearts, so it's been like 20, 23 years, I think. Um, so it's been a really long time. Um, but I have two daughters. Uh, one just turned 11 a few days ago, and the other is eight, soon to be nine. Um, and they keep me very busy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Outside of, of trying to keep up with them, uh, I do a bunch of stuff myself, right? So I have a, I have a gym uh, that I just opened a few months ago, so um, training athletes specifically. So that, that is definitely keeping me busy. Um, and then I work with a virtual school uh, as a student success manager, helping um, middle school and high school students make sure they stay on track uh, academically and then helping them pursue whatever is the next uh, thing for them. So. Um, that's the short list of things I do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, though, man. I mean, I, I, I love and my wife and I were actually talking about this not too long ago. Just 
how she wished there would have been people in her life guiding her to those next steps. She thought, you know, this needs to be my path. I need to go and pursue this. And it was just exclusively that. Now that she's 35, she's looking at everything and thinking, man, I could have done really well in this field, or I could have done really good at this job. And instead I ended up where I ended up and, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't particularly love it. I'm not doing something I'm passionate about. So I think kids certainly need that. And that's cool that you do that as well. Um, but yeah, so you, you're you're the girl dad officially. You got an 11 year old, an eight year old, and I'm assuming you're done, right? Finished, finito, done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I'd I'd love to talk a little bit about raising daughters exclusively. I, I have a boy in the mix, so you know my my girls like the roughhouse some because of their brother and because of how they see he and I interact, but. Um, like I mentioned, we started our podcast at the same time. Uh, I know why I started. It wasn't some you know grand vision that I had, but I'm interested in why you became passionate about fatherhood. I mean, at the time, your girls would have been, what, six and nine. So, mm-hmm. you know, what was it for you that prompted you to go down this journey and to grow as a dad yourself, but also help other dads grow? So unofficially there's there's these podcast episodes that never got recorded right i've been having these conversations with fathers um since i became a father right because i had so many questions uh that were unanswered right like i could ask my dad but then you know it was one of those things like my, my dad never had a like a fatherhood conversation with me he was just my father you know um and so it wasn't like he was like, Hey, when you become a dad, this thing is going to happen. Or, you know, when they're just babies, this is going to happen. Um, and so I was just asking guys that I knew, uh, that had kids. I was asking, um, at the time <clears throat> when we got pregnant, I was working with the New York Mets and my, my coordinator was a father to like four or five. And so I was asking him questions because we were close. Um, and so I was having these conversations with all these people just kind of gaining information because I had read the baby books. Um, and I felt like they were more for moms. I mean, I just didn't, I didn't feel like I got a lot of great information from, from them other than, you know, what to expect when expecting, right? Like leading up to the kid. And then once the kid gets here, it was like, all right, now you just got to figure it out on your own. Um, so I have been having, (laughs) (laughs) right. So I have been having these conversations, um, you know, but just never recorded, just, just picking guys brains for, for free. Right. Um, But I would say the reason it started in 2020, and I probably have to go back uh, to the beginning of it, is in 2011, when I found out that I was going to be a father, I say it was like one of those matrix moments where time kind of slowed down. Um, and when my wife said that I was going to be a father, it was like I could have I could have stopped a bullet in midair, like the words slowly yeah. came out of her mouth. And I immediately realized that that's who I wanted to be and that fatherhood was my purpose. Um, you know, up until that point, I had been pursuing a career. Like I said, I was working with the New York Mets and I thought I had, I'd achieved the pinnacle, right? I'm, I'm a strength and conditioning coach at the highest level. Um, and I'm, I was young, I was 27, which is, which is not, not common to get to that level. So I was like super excited. Um, but when I found out I was going to be a father, I was grounded like immediately. Um, and that same coordinator that I was talking about, I get, I called him that weekend. I was like, Hey, I'm not coming back. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's some negotiation back and forth between me and my wife. Cause he's like, yo, I just told you we're going to have a kid. You can't not have a job 
Um, so we kind of went back and forth for a few weeks and, and eventually she, she saw where I was coming from. Um, and the same thing with my coordinator. He, he was like, Hey man, look, we're promoting you this year. Like you're moving up. You sure you want to step away? And they made me some offers and some different things. And I just couldn't imagine, uh, being, being on a Skype call to see my child be born, or I couldn't imagine not being yeah. at the doctor's visits. Uh, I couldn't imagine not being present because when you work for a major league team, you're on the road all the time, like six months, seven months, eight months, depending on how good you are, you're, you're gone, right. Or you're just traveling and then you come home for a few months. And as soon as you get comfortable, you're gone again. Um, and I couldn't imagine that being the life that I lived as a father. Um, yeah. So, so I, you know, I packed up my bags, came back home and, and uh, decided to be present for my family. Uh, or my new family that hadn't yet come. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the process, though, you know, I, I came back and I, you know, I started working for a company and kind of helped build that company to one of the largest uh, athletic performance facilities in Southern California. We had, by the time the pandemic hit, which is the second part of this, we had six gyms. Uh, we had trained probably close to 50,000 athletes over the course of the the. 12 years I had been there. Um, so a huge thing. Um, but then the, the pandemic comes and, and it shuts us down. So all the gyms are closed, right? Cause in California, everything shut down. Yep. So, uh, I have been working there for, for all of my youngest daughter's life for sure. Um, and actually all of my oldest daughter's life. And, uh, but I'm home cause the gyms are closed and I'm sitting down to dinner. And my youngest daughter looks over and she's like, dad, why are you here? Daddy, why are you here? Cause she's still calling me daddy. Daddy, why are you here? And that crushed me, you know, uh, because this is my house. Like I'm, I'm yeah, pay for the, uh, these lights that you're enjoying this food that's on the table. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to work to provide these things. And, and even though I was really intentional about the time that I spent with my family, I didn't really realize how much time I wasn't spending with my family. And so, that conversation, those words from her, I, I, uh, I took that and I, that night I talked to my wife and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm probably gonna, probably gonna resign, um, because I'm not pursuing the, my, my core purpose, right? Because I was helping athletes reach their potential, right? That, that's a huge thing. That's very fulfilling to see a, a seven or eight year old come in and you train them until they get drafted to, that's phenomenal, right? Like that's, yeah. that's an amazing feeling. But while I was helping these other people pursue their potential and, and reach their goals, I was leaving my family on the table. Um, and so I, I, I took a, I let my I let the owner of the company know that I was going to be leaving. Uh, I gave them four and a half months. Um, I hired some people to replace me. I trained them up um, because I had been there for so long. I didn't want to just step away and, and leave them, you know, just to suffer. Yeah. So I, I did everything I could to prepare them for my exit. Um, and then I stepped away and because I was now trying to be present for my family, the way that I felt that I needed to be, it, it put a, a real center focus on fatherhood. And so that's when I started the, the Instagram page at that point. Um, and, and then I, uh, I was still having conversations with fathers, but these weren't being recorded. And my wife was like, you know what, you should why don't you just start a podcast where you talk to guys about that and you record it? Like you really seem to like it. Why don't you guys just record it? And so that's how it started. I think the first couple uh, was just me 
talking about things that I thought were important. Um, and then I, I kind of got a friend of mine on, on there and we talked and it felt good and felt like it was, it was useful, hopefully for somebody, nobody was listening at the time, but <laughs> felt like it was, it was useful. Talk to um, all of us. Yeah. And so I just kept doing it, man. It just kept going. And I would say like, even the Instagram thing, uh, Instagram was, was me and like four or five other people just back and forth. I was liking stuff they say, they would like stuff I say. And then it was crickets, um, until probably last year. And then it kind of took off, but it was all birthed out of this, this real feeling of there's one. And I feel like there was enough information out there for fathers. I felt like I was looking, I was actively looking for it and wasn't finding it. Um, yeah. I felt like the guys that were fathers weren't having enough of these conversations. I would say my dad is a, is a good dad, but he never had a fatherhood conversation with me, knowing that someday, potentially, I was going to be a father. Like, guys just aren't sharing this information. Um, and yeah. so I was like, you know what? It, I can't complain about it if I'm not going to do something about it. And so that's, that's where we are. That's cool. Yeah, I think I think that's really neat. You know, like you like you talked about with your dad. My dad, I drew the same way. Good dad, but never had the talk with me about being a dad. And I think I think that's one of the things that's been a problem for our generation is we grew up with men who were great men who were really good and keen on teaching us to grow up to be men. But what they didn't do is teach us about these other two evolutions that we have as we continue to grow up, and that is when we become a husband and then when we become a father. And so I'm with you on, on the need for content for dads. And, you know, I love that you do it and that I'm doing it and that other people do it because not one voice is going to resonate with everybody. And the more voices out there talking about it, the more people joining into the conversation. I mean, that's how I would, that's how I would view that. Even people listening to this podcast, I'm going to say that they're joining in on the conversation. They're being a part of it. I mean, the more people that join in on the conversation of fatherhood, I think the better the next generation will be, not just of men becoming dads, but also, you know, girls growing up to be, you know, standout women. I, I think the influence that we bear as fathers is just so significant and so impactful. And if we're not having the conversation to better ourselves, to grow as they grow, then I think we're going to fall short of that goal. But I think it's so interesting because I'm going to say you were better than I was when you were expecting to to have kids. I remember I remember my wife told me like she's finally pregnant. And it was one of those things like I didn't know what to feel. So I was never really overly emotional. And like I knew I was supposed to be happy. And I knew I was supposed to be like, oh, this is wonderful. And I did those things, but it was more so out of a knowledge of I'm supposed to do this. It wasn't necessarily because that's how I felt. And in a way, I thought, well, you get married and you have kids, you're supposed to be a dad. Like this is an expectation. And because of that, I just had an expectation that I'll be an okay dad because men have been dads from the beginning of time and the human race is still here. So, I mean, I can't do that bad of a job, right? Like that was kind of my perspective on it. So I wasn't having these conversations. So I'm just, I'm curious, what is it? What is it that drove you to have those conversations? Is it just, you were so passionate and locked into the idea of, of becoming a dad 
and that you just love the idea of it so much that you just wanted to be the best dad that you could be early on? Was it your upbringing? Was it like, is it, you know, the lack of conversations that you had with your father? What, what was that inspiration to start having those conversations just in general? Yeah, it's funny. And in, in, in doing this, this work and, and being on podcasts and having a podcast myself, I've, I've explored this, this question because it comes up and, for me, what I think it was is there was a period of time when I was young, from probably like five until I don't even know, maybe eight or nine, uh, where my dad wasn't there. I remember mom split up. He was going through some stuff. And so uh, I didn't see him as often uh, as I wanted to, um, if at all, for periods of time. Um, but I don't even know if that was it. You know, I've, I've played with that and I've, I've kind of dug into that. And I don't know if that's it. Um, I had a stepfather who right around that time after my parents got divorced, maybe a year or so after my mom remarried um, and he was there, um, but he worked all the time. So he was he was a great provider, but he wasn't present at all. But I don't know if that's it. You know, I don't know if it, that that part of it is is fully it. Um, I think there was a sense of responsibility for another person's life, another person's upbringing that that, you know, immediately felt like I had to do more. Um, I don't know mm -hmm. if that's completely it. Right. Um, I'm a coach. Like I love coaching. I love guiding. I love teaching. I love leading. Um, I don't know if that's completely it. I think it's a it's like a, a, a gumbo of all of those things. Right. It's just a. Yeah. It's, it's all of these things kind of as a perfect storm, as a, as a recipe for why I felt so pulled towards it. But then also, I think sometimes God just puts purpose in you, right? Like it, it's, I think we, we're trying to figure out what our purpose is and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to understand it from our own understanding. And then sometimes it's just there and it's, you just, you, yeah. there's, there's no denying it. It just, it, it calls to you, it resonates to you. I felt called to be a father. I didn't feel like I heard my wife tell me I was going to be a father. I felt like I had heard, like I said, time slowed down. It felt like some ethereal voice was like, you're going to be a father. Like it, it was some, some different feeling that I had never felt before. And all of the things yeah. that I had done and accomplished and all of the pats on the back and the high fives, none of those things felt like that moment. And I think that might be why that, that, that recipe of things that have happened in my life really pushed me into feeling like this is it. Like, this is my thing. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm, what I'm here for. And if this is in fact what I'm here for, then I better do a dang good job of being it. Yeah. You know, I think that, I think that's great. Um, I mean, I would, I would advise dads listening, um, whether they're expecting baby number one or any other baby or, heck, maybe their kids are all teenagers. Even, even now I would still advise them to start having those conversations. I mean, better late than never. Right. I mean, start having mm -hmm. those conversations with other dads. That's, that's one, that's been one of the greatest resources for me. Like, yeah, I've listened to some other things and yeah, I've, you know, looked in some books, but honestly, I feel like the stuff that has really resonated with me has been in conversations with other dads, seeing how they've navigated this journey, what obstacles they've had to face, how they went about it, what lessons they learned. I mean, th there's so much strength that we find in community. And that that's one of those things that comes out of it is wisdom and shared experience. So uh, yeah, 
I'm glad you did that because I did not. I, I I learned along the way. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have this this history of 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 an interest in fatherhood. I'll say it that way. You know, from the time I started, it was just my my journey was a different journey. But this one's not about me. So I'll I'll tell that story another day. Uh, but but I thought I thought it was cool while you were telling your story that you just up and left your job with the Mets. And you, you're so you were officially done with that job before you even had like a baby in the house, right? No, I wasn't. I was still on okay. the contract. Okay. Yeah, I okay, was on the contract. Um, I was, but I wasn't working. So you know, you sign a, okay. you sign year to year contracts. Okay. Um, and so okay. they were really cool about it. They paid me out the rest of my contract. But I after after the season ended, I went home and I did not come back. I didn't perform any of my off-season duties. I didn't go to any instructional camps or anything. Like I was, I was done, but I was under contract. So technically, I guess at any point they could have made me not made me do anything, but they could have maybe just cut me off and stopped paying me. Um, Sure. But I had, I had earned. I think, I think I had earned the 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 right to kind of still be on contract. I was. I was the strength coach of the year, the year that, that past season. And, and like I had, it was what I appreciate them for it. Let me just say that. I don't want to say that I did anything special sure. to my own horn, but I appreciate them uh, doing what they did. Yeah. All right. So you, you, I'm going to say you sense the urgency of being present. Now I thought it was interesting that as you told the story, you sit down at the table and your daughter's asking you, why are you here? I think, especially setting out with this, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to quit my job so I can be there for the kids and then get this revelation that maybe I haven't been there the way that they need me to be there. I think that's mm-hmm. another revelation. Now I had a conversation with a veteran and he had a story of, uh, he was out, and he finally came home and his wife was like, look at this. And wife called to his daughter and she said, Hey, where's daddy? And he was like, I was standing right next to her. And she didn't point to him. She ran over to the wall where his picture was and pointed to the picture. And for him, like that was a punch in the gut. Like he, he ended everything as quickly as he could because of that. So, uh, I'm just curious, like what kind of changes did you make? Did you know what changes to make? You know, when your when your when your daughter said that to you, did you seek more counsel and have more conversations on on how to go about that? What 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 went down inside of Rod Richard whenever that hit? So immediately I was crushed, right? <laughs> because because yeah. Like I'm this is this is my youngest daughter who says it, right? And so she is I think she might have been in like preschool, like Montessori school. Okay. And so I'm spending more time with her actually, right? Because I'm I'm <laughs> taking her to school, right? We hang out in the mornings until she can go, and then on Friday she doesn't go. So we spend all day Friday. Like I'm setting my schedule up. So me and her really are spending a lot of time. My older daughter's in regular school at this point. So, you know. Okay. Um so like for her to say it, I'm like, dang, like I'm really spending time with you, but I, you don't feel like I'm like I belong here, like I'm 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 a foreigner here. So I, like I said, I talked to my wife, who is is my, I don't not my better half, but she is my counterpart, 
right? And she yeah. she compliments me in in all the best ways. She thinks about things very differently than I do because I'm a I am a this is what we need to do. Let's do it. I'm a fixer, right? This is yep. this is a problem. I'm gonna fix it. She I'm not here. She doesn't think I belong here. I'm gonna be here, right? So immediately I was like. Whatever I had to do, I'm going to be here. Now, my thing was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go in and I'm going to tell them I can't work these hours. I'm going to, I'm going to work these hours. This is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to plan my schedule because at that point I was already set my schedule, but I had so many responsibilities that it got beyond what I was really capable of, of handling. Um, yeah. she was like, okay, if you do that though, is that going to, is that going to allow you, are, are you going to be happy if you do that? Right. Like if you go in and you say you're not going to do these things that you enjoy doing, because I, I like my job. Right. Which is why I have a gym now is I like working with athletes. She's like, are you going to be happy? And I'm like, well, I get to be home with my family. Of course, I'm going to be happy. Right. But the reality is, is that we have a we have a, a duality. Right. Like we have a, a. There is like the work us and then there's like the family us. Right. And we can we can really pour into that family us. But if us if we're suffering too then we can't really pour in the way that we're supposed to sure. right she's she she was like you know you you have to make sure that you are also doing it what it is that you want to do while you are giving us what we need from you and i was like okay so i thought about it and and what's changing my schedule going to be the way to do that probably not right because all it was going to do was make those times where i was working chaotic Right. Like I was really going to have to do it. I was going to have to, I was going to have to perform magic to make that happen. And so we kind of came to the conclusion that it would be because I've done it before, right? Like I'd stepped away from a job before. I was going to just be betting on myself. I'm going to, I'm going to step away and I'm going to, to make it happen on my own. Like I don't necessarily need the security of the company in order to take care of my family. Like I've done it before without the company, so I can do it. Um, and she reminded me of that because I felt like initially when I was saying that, like I had to be there, like I needed to have this job because when people, when I introduced myself to people, I'm Rod, the strength conditioning coach, you know, um, that was my identity and to separate myself from that identity was, was initially difficult, but I had to, again, look at what my, what, who I really was, right? Like I'm, yes, I'm a strength conditioning coach, but I am their father first and I'll be their father forever. I am her husband and I'll be her husband forever. If I'm not able to give to them the things I'm providing in one way and not in another. Right. And I need to be able to provide in all ways. And so there was a, a internal struggle. I won't I won't pretend that there wasn't. But once I made up my mind about it, I didn't look back. It was it was just yeah. like, OK, this is what's going to happen. And I'm moving forward. It was like I said, it was a fix. Like, I'm just going to fix it. And this is this yeah. is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um. I love how much involvement your wife has had in what you do as a dad, even what you do with your podcast, you know, recommending the idea. Why don't you start recording these things? I'm curious to hear from you. What would you say the value of, of a man's wife is to them in life? I mean, clearly it's kind of manifested itself for you and how you operate as a father, how you operate as an entrepreneur and a professional, mm-hmm. what, what, do you, what do you think the value of the, of, of the wife is? And, you know, in turn, understanding that value, how should we as husbands respond to that? 
uh, I would say that it, it's invaluable. Like there's no, there's no number that you can put on it. There's no, 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 there, it, because it, like I said, she, Jerry Maguire, she completes me, right? Like in all the ways that I am flawed, she is different, right? Mm-hmm. Not that she's not flawed, but she's different. She yeah. thinks about things a different way. She encourages me. She pushes me. I know we talked about community before. And she's she is she is my inner circle, right? She is my go-to whenever I have questions, <clears throat> whenever I have doubts, whenever I have insecurities. Like she is my rock in all things, right? I think that relationship, that husband and wife relationship, when you have the right partner, and I know there are situations where people maybe didn't get the right partner, or maybe they didn't. Sure. The relationship didn't manifest the way it was supposed to or that they all hoped it would. But I think that 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 person, because you allow them to be so close to you, you're most vulnerable with uh, you, you share all your dreams, your desires, your goals. Um, that person has the best ability to help you achieve them because they know you better than anybody else does. Right. They, because they get sure. to see you when you're most vulnerable. Um, I think that, like I said, that that person, that your wife is invaluable. There's no no price tag you can put on that because because I think that that when we are able to to lay ourselves bare to someone, we are able to strengthen all of the ways that we are are weak. And and a lot of times we don't know what those are. Right? Like there's some times where I do some things or I say some stuff or I'm acting a certain way and I just don't see it. Like, there's no way. Sure. Like, I'm, I'm not that I'm perfect, but like, I'm, I'm doing good. Like, yeah. And she'll be like, yeah, that ain't it. That's not you. That's not <laughs> like, I appreciate even with, even with like the podcast now, like she suggested that I started, but even sometimes cause she doesn't listen to it often, but she'll listen to it every once in a while. And she'll be like, I don't know. I don't know if you, you know, you weren't your kind of yourself. Like maybe, maybe you should try that, you know, and it, I wouldn't even yeah. think about it, but then I'll go back and listen to the episode. And I'm like, dang right you know <laughs> you it's like that, that. that though right <laughs> no 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 i just make the adjustment right um no but it's like that that two heads is better than one yeah. especially when those two heads are aligned right when you and yeah. that other person are, are are speaking life into each other and you're 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 lifting each other up and holding each other accountable it's it's i like i said i can't put a can't put a number on it it's invaluable for sure yeah, and I, man, I love what you've done with that relationship. I think I think what you've done is you really modeled what we're supposed to do as husbands. I mean, biblically, you you look at the story in Genesis. So God causes Adam to fall into a great sleep. He removes a rib, and from the rib, he makes Eve. And then the Bible says that this is the reason, because God did that. This is the reason that a man will leave his mom and dad and join together with his wife. Because something was taken out of man and it needs to be restored. So when we're married, when we find that, that partner and we, you know, come together with our wife, we form this unity. It's almost like there's a new identity, kind of like the two heads being better than one. It's just like, there's, there's this united body. And I Mm -hmm. think when we really step into that and we understand that, you know, it's not just me flying solo. I'm not just in some, you know, business arrangement with this person where I've got 51% equity and they've got 49 and we're just doing this thing together. Like that, that's not what it is at all. It is, you know, we become 
a person in a sense uh, mm-hmm. and functioning that way. I mean, clearly I think what you've navigated attests to uh, the, the goodness that comes from that. I mean, being able to have that other voice in your ear that says, Hey, maybe adjust this. Hey, I see this. I don't think you see it. You might want to give some attention to that. I mean, clearly it has helped and it has been a great benefit. And I think, I think hearing that that's, that's something I just want to make sure guys listening, like get this, like be in that whole relationship with your wife, give her the space to speak into your life. Um, and then be open to sharing things with her and, and be intentional in seeking her advice. I think, I think that's, I think that's really good. I want to ask you about being a girl dad because I've got a boy. So my family dynamic is a little bit different because he's the oldest. So all my daughters came into the world, seeing me and him be rough and tough with each other. And I've got two little Xena warrior princesses in my house. And so um, they're, they're girly and, you know, they love to dress up. And my youngest, she loves to wear tutus and these like black commando boots. I mean, she, she's, she's a mix. It's, it's kind of funny, but I'm curious, what are your primary concerns as a dad with two girls? Um, primary concerns, man. Uh, the world, the world outside my house. <laughs> um, yeah. Being completely honest, like the world outside my doors, as they get older, and I talked to somebody about this the other day, as my daughters get older, they spend more time out of the house than they do inside the house. And so my influence as a father, as huge as it is, as, as intentional as I am about it, how as, as important as I make, you know, the things that they're interested in, as, as invested as I am in those relationships with the two of them, is the reality is, is, you know, six hours a day, they're seven hours a day, they're at school, uh, two hours a day, they're at softball practice, you know, they, they, they're spending time away from me. And so the world outside of those doors is, is my biggest concern. Am I, am, how concerned am I about it? Uh, not a whole lot because I feel like what we do inside these doors uh, definitely buffers a lot of that, right? How, how we interact sure. with each other, the relationships that we've built up to this point, the relationships that we continue to build uh, going forward, I think definitely is, is helpful. My oldest daughter though was in middle school and, and middle school is, is middle school, right? Like I remember what middle school was like yep. and I, I've trained middle school athletes. So I know what they're going through. Right. And I hear it all the time. They talk about stuff that's going on at school. And, and I'm like, man, this is not elementary school anymore. Like she's in her second week of middle <laughs> school. And, and, and to see, to see her transition and see her change from like, you know, this fifth grader who was like playing with dolls to uh, wanting to change everything in her room and have like, a you know, she's got like one doll in her room now where it used to be like 10 of them. Um, you know, Barbie movie yeah. comes out. She doesn't want to go buy Barbies. No, that, that's not the thing. She wants to dress like the Barbie. I'm like, nah, that's not going to work. So like it, there's 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 these <laughs> things that are, you know, there's these things that are happening. But again, that are happening outside of my house. But I think because we've built strong bonds inside, I'm not as concerned. But I do understand that my ability yeah. to protect them in the way that I was able to protect them when they were, were younger um, is, is not the same. 
and I have to trust and lean sure. on that I've done a good job up to this point, that they're going to make good decisions, that they're going to try their best not to be put in harm's way, um, that they're going to advocate for themselves and need to advocate for themselves. Um, so I'm concerned for sure, but I, I think I'm comfortable in how well uh, we've, we've parented them to this point. If that sure. Makes sense. Now, would you think that, yeah, absolutely. Would you think that there's truth to the, uh, quality of time spent with your kids being greater than the quantity of time spent with your kids? Yes. I think there's definitely truth in the, in the quality versus quantity, um, scenario, because like I said, I get less time with them, but the time that I spend now with them is, is committed to them, right? Because of the fact that I don't get That's more good. time with them, right? So because we yeah. may only get a few hours a day together, um, you know, the morning, getting them ready for school, picking them up for school. Um, you know, while they're at practice, I'm there, but they don't, they're not with me. <laughs> you know, if anything, I'm with them. Sure. Yeah. They're doing their thing. Uh, you know, we eat dinner now it's time to, to get ready for bed. And so a lot of our time is like, okay, on the car rides to and from places we're we're having conversations about life, right? We're talking about things that are going on for them, yeah. things That's that good. happened at school, what's happening with their friends. They're asking me questions. I'm asking them questions. We're having conversation. Like we're building uh, our trust and, and, and our relationship during that time. Um, I'm trying to teach lessons if I can, right? If I can sneak them in there in between what somebody did at school, that was funny. Um, you know, yeah. but I think That's because good. of the quality, the, because of the limited quantity, the time that I have has to be quality and it has to be intentional, right? Because yeah. It's very easy to take that car ride and I just turn the music on and we just drive. Right. And get we all get lost in the moment and we miss that out. We miss that. Right. Or they come home and it's very easy to be like, you know, uh, go go get ready for bed. And I'm just going to, you know, stay down here and watch ESPN. Um, you know, those things are, are easy. But but it is that what you really want? You know, is that what I really want? Do I really need to see the highlights of preseason football right now? Like, do I really, do I really care? You know, <laughs> like I do. It's yeah. cool and all, but like I, at the same time, like I, like no disrespect to these guys, but that guy to just return the kick, I'm never going to see him again. He's not going to make the 53. So right. I would rather spend the time building this relationship with my daughter uh, because I know that's going to go a lot further for me and for them. Yeah, yeah, that's so good and. I, lo I love what you said about just the car ride home and having conversation during that time. I think as dads, like we want to do big and extra extravagant things for our kids. Like we want to take them all over the world and, you know, just let them live it up and give them all the things that their heart desires. But those big things mean less to them than those little moments that we can have with them. I mean, I think, I think you do so much good, even in a car just having a conversation that 20, 30 minute, however long the drive is just that intentional conversation, that time of communication, which like you said, it does build trust and it does build relationship. Like that is what they're going to remember. It's all of the moments of intentionality. Like they probably won't remember the exact conversation every time you speak to them, but they right. will remember that me and dad talked a lot. 
Like dad was intentional about talking to me. Didn't matter where we were. Didn't need to be the right setting. Like, yeah, it was great when it was a daddy daughter date, but sometimes it was just in the car ride home. And I think being intentional about those moments, I, I think, I think that's a great thing. Let me ask you about social media. Cause this is a big thing that I think bothers parents a little bit. Um, and now, you know, your, your girl's getting close to that teenager age. Uh, is there any concern with that for you? Do you do anything extra or like you've already shared? Is it, you know, you feel like you and your wife have done enough uh, that's, that's quality and that's been intentional to establish some trust and some relationships and some understanding with your girls to where, you know, yeah, the world out there, like you talked about is crazy but you've got trust that they're going to make good decisions as they navigate that specifically with like social media. Yeah. The social media thing, right. It, it Let me say this. I, I don't feel like, I feel like we've done enough up to this point, but I think there's a lot of work still to be done. Right. Because my, okay. my daughter doesn't have a phone yet. The oldest, okay. she has a, she has a Apple watch uh, that she just got for her birthday, but she doesn't have social media. Um, they do go on YouTube and do YouTube shorts and that's social media, but it's not the same. Right. Um, sure. because I'm active on social media through, through the podcast and through Instagram and all the things that I do, I'm aware of what's out there waiting for them. Um, so it is, it is, we're pre-gaming conversations right now, right? Cause the game is coming. Like you said, she's going to be a teenager. Yeah. We told her she can get a phone when she's in eighth grade. So I, it's coming, right? And she's trying to chip away at that as much as she can. Because all of her friends have had phones since like the third or fourth grade. Um, so we're, we're, we're expecting it to come, but we're having the conversations now. This is something I talk about with my wife. And I, I, I tell guys sometimes is you have to talk about, you have to talk about war during times of peace. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying that social media is war, but it is though, right? Because the, the algorithm sure. and the social media platforms are fighting you for your children's time and attention. And right. so it is going to be a war at some point. And so while it's a time of peace and we don't have that around, we're talking about, Hey, you know, some of those things that you see on social media are not real, right? Some of those things that you yeah. see. Are, are not to be done. You just probably shouldn't do it. It might be funny, right? But it's not for everyone. Um, understanding why you're seeing some of the things that you're seeing. Why are some of those ads popping up when you're looking at your YouTube video? Like, why are some of these things happening? Having those conversations, I think, ahead of time um, helps to prepare them for what's coming next. Uh, puts them in a better mindset for what they're seeing in front of them. Um, it's funny. We... Uh, Went to Disneyland last night, actually, for my, my daughter's birthday. It was her birthday gift. Um, we probably shouldn't have went because we stayed too late and they struggled to get up this morning. But we went. Um, and they, they saw on, on YouTube, because now when we're going somewhere, they like to study, right? So they saw on YouTube, um, some girl went to Disney. And if you give the Rise of Resistance, if you give them a lightsaber, they're supposed to take you to the front of the line. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We'll take the, we had an extra lightsaber, like a little blow up one, a little cheap one. So we take it and we get to the front of the line or we get to the line to get to the lady. And she's like, that's not real. She's like, matter of fact, the lady who, who did, who made that on YouTube, she got a lot of, a lot of attention, but she's banned from Disney for life. 
<laughs> and, and so I was like, perfect, perfect. See, girls, see what I was saying about YouTube and like social media not being real and we can't believe everything we see. Like it was like the perfect storm. Um, but like just having those conversations, like my, my daughter's friends do TikTok dances. And she's like, I don't I, I don't never know the dances that they're doing. And I'm like, OK, but OK, so the dance that they did last week do they still do that dance? And she's like, no, it's like, all right, then you didn't miss anything. It's over. Like, you, yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as important as you thought it was. And, and, and understanding that, you know, understanding that you don't have to be a part of the wave. Like you can kind of sit some things out and see what, what's really going to happen uh, before you just jump in and, and get swallowed up by all of the things that are going on. So I think we've done enough up to this point, but we still have work to do because it is going to, I think social media is not going anywhere. I think it's going to become more and more attractive to younger children. I think it's going to yeah. try. I think, I think, you know, people who are on content creators and I'm a content creator myself, so I can't, I can't pretend like we're not doing things to draw people's attention. So I understand right. that piece of it. Um, but I know little people are impressionable and, and I know that I have to yeah. have, a, I'm gonna have a big responsibility on, being present and being aware and this is where having those conversations come into play though is because if they see something even on youtube now they'll see something that is like eh, and they'll come and ask like hey what is, what is this or, what is that or i don't i don't know if i should be watching this this is my youngest will say she'll like she'll, it'll be on she won't change it right away but she'll say out loud and you'll hear i don't know if i should be watching this and i'm like all right change yeah. it you know <laughs> Um, but again, it's just, you know, having those conversations, but I think social media is, it, it's a monster, um, that, that all of us are going to have to face and we can't close our eyes or turn off the lights and hope that the boogeyman goes away. It's there. And right. the best way for us to, to combat it is to face it head on with our children, as opposed right. to, uh, shaming, no, shaming them for it. I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but like beating them up about it because this is the world sure. that we live in. And right. even for, even for my daughter, it's, she's handling it well, but she is literally the only kid in her friend group that doesn't have a phone. And so, you know, that's kind of a, a weird thing. It's like, you know, everybody's on their phone and she's just kind of sitting there like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Like looking over somebody's shoulder. <laughs> and that that's yeah. only going to be comfortable for her for so long. And so, like I said, we have to make sure that we prepare her for, when she does get that that access and, and how to yeah. handle it, how to navigate it. Yeah, I think that's good that you've had conversations about that. I mean, I, I love that that's kind of been threaded throughout this conversation that we're having is just being intentional about talking to your kids about whatever it whatever it may be. How was school? How's your day? What are you thinking? You know, oh, what did you watch today on YouTube? I mean, going through those things, because like you said, social media is not going anywhere. A, a friend of mine sent me an article a few days ago. I don't know if it was if it had officially happened yet or if it was predicted to soon happen. But the article was uh, about TikTok becoming a larger search engine than Google. And I was like, geez, like, like I'm not on TikTok. I've just heard negative things about it. But I'm thinking maybe I should get on TikTok and try to reach more people. And that and that's the thing about that's the thing about social media. It's not all bad. It's like yeah. it's like the internet. It's not all bad. There's plenty of great things that you can get through social media and through the internet. But if you flip the coin over, the opposite is abundantly true. And so, you know, helping your kids understand like 
This is how we're going to deal with this. Now, I'm curious, how much backlash do you get from your daughter about not having a phone? Is it something that comes up occasionally? Is it something that comes up regularly? Or has she just accepted the fact that mom and dad have made this rule? I'm going to honor and respect it. And I can't wait until I'm an eighth grader. <laughs> uh, more of the second and a reason. And, and like you mentioned before, it's because we've had the conversation. And we've had to, right? Like I said, since third or fourth grade, her best friend has had a phone. And so we've had to have that conversation for so long now that it's like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm whatever. It's whatever. Like she, she's okay with it. Um, she understands why, why we say it. I think to, to the best of her knowledge, she understands it. Um, and she's content with trusting that we're doing what we think is right for her. Um, that's good not that she doesn't ask every once in a while not that she doesn't like drop something in there like we um my father-in-law her grandfather updated his phone and he, he got a new phone but he still had the old one and she's like oh grandpa can i can i have your phone yeah. like no you can't have grandpa so you know like it, she's doing what she's supposed to do as a kid right you kind of push right. the envelope a little bit whenever you can but but she isn't like she isn't complaining too much you know her yeah. getting the getting the Apple Watch thing was was a big deal, right? Huge. She's she was on it, texting her little friends, talking on it. She's checking GPS. She's doing like little random stuff, right? She wanted me to put Spotify sure. on it so you could listen to music. But here's the crazy part: is so her birthday was August eighth. We got it for at like the beginning, like the August first or something. The last three days, I don't even think she's noticed it's on the charger. She hasn't picked it up or grabbed it at all. Like she hasn't said yeah. anything about it. I haven't seen her do anything with it. Like it, it's been in the same spot. And so yeah. it's just one of those, like, I don't know how much she really wants that stuff because other people have it or whether, yeah. whether it's like something she really wants. And as long as it's that way, it's because we, you know, I'm fine with that, you know? Sure. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's neat though, because what you're doing, whether you know, whether or not she always loves the idea is you're allowing her the opportunity to actually look at the world and see everything that goes on around her. I mean, I, I worked in the downtown Dallas area for a little while and there was not a single person on my walk to the office who was not like nose deep in their phone while they're trying to walk down the street. I mean, they walk in front of cars all the time. They're just idiots. It's unbelievable, but they've got their phone right here or they've got the phone and huge headphones or blasting music. Like they're not paying any attention to anything else around them. And there's so much to see, but people get captivated in the screen. So I don't know. I think it's a good idea to follow the model that you've set forth to allow them to live their life without a phone for some while, at least just mm -hmm. so they can, you know, take in everything else. I, I, I think that's good. Um, and it sounds like, it's necessary for us to have those conversations regularly yeah. just to keep everything on track. Mm -hmm. So let me, let me, let me do this. Let's wrap things up. I want to ask you what I always ask dads and what's, what's the best piece of advice that you would give to dads today? Oh, the best piece. There's so many, right? There's so many things because the fatherhood I know. Thing is just so, so comprehensive. I'm setting you There's up. So many. 
it's, it's, this is a difficult, I'd rather you ask me a specific question, but that's fine. I, I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer this one to the best of my ability. And what I will say is, is you have to be the father. There's two ways to say this, maybe, maybe more. Okay. You want to be the father that you need it, right? And that, that's, that's kind of twofold in itself is either you didn't have the father that you wanted. So you'd be that kind of father or you'd be the exact kind of father that you had because that was a great father. On okay. the flip side of that coin is you'd be the father that they need, right? Whether, no matter what that means, right? It's different than maybe your idea of how you were going to be a father walking into this thing or how you were going to parent them in a certain situation. Um, you're going to father in a way that's best for them, not in what you think is best for you. Um, I think that's probably the best general information that I can give. Like the general advice is be the father that you need it, be the father that they need. Yeah. I think that's good advice. And I, I'm glad that it's general because I like listeners to the podcast, listeners of the podcast rather, to do some of the hard the hard work and the homework that mm. is associated with listening to this stuff. Like, okay, now I've got to go home and I've got to unpack. What does it look like for me to be the dad my kid needs me to be? What does it look like for me to be the dad that I needed? And then actually figure that out. There's a lot of self-awareness that has to come from that and self-reflection that has to come out of that. And if we're not doing those things, the reality is, is we're probably not growing and we're not growing as dads. Yeah, we're in trouble, but so are our kids. And so I think that's really important, but that's great advice. I appreciate that yeah. advice. Rod, I've had, I've had fun with this conversation. And I have enjoyed so much of what you have shared. I'm going to take so much of this to heart because, you know, I've got a couple of little girls that one day will be where your little girls are and even beyond that. So yeah, I'm going to stay in touch and I'm going to, I'm going to earmark this one to reference at a later time, but uh, I'd like you to have the opportunity to tell everyone listening today how they can find more about you and what you do with the podcast or whatever else you let them know. Yeah, I think the best way to find me, to follow me, to get in touch with me is through Instagram. I think I'm most active there, um, and it's at 4FitFatherhood, the number 4FitFatherhood. Um, there's a website, same thing, 4FitFatherhood, that's where you can find the podcast. And it's it's everywhere. It's distributed everywhere as well. But um, if you go to the website, you can kind of get some direct information there. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know what's funny is, is people – when I reply to people on Instagram, um, for whatever reason, because of the size of the following, they feel like it's not like a real person. And when I reply back or I answer, I answer stuff, they're like, whoa, I didn't expect you to say anything. But I'm literally, the, literally the reason why I'm doing it is not for the followers and for all of that stuff. It's literally to help fathers and help men become better. So of course, if you ask questions, I'm gonna answer. Unless it's crazy, yeah. right? And even even sometimes when it's some of that like off the wall stuff, I'll still right. answer. I just won't answer maybe what they want me to answer, but but I'm still gonna, <laughs> you know, I'll still definitely, you know, reach out and, and do my best to help wherever I can. Um, so again, the best way is is Forfeit Fatherhood on Instagram or the website is Forfeit Fatherhood, and the email is Forfeit Fatherhood. I try to keep it all the same. Cool. Yeah, is it Forfeit Fatherhood? Is that a Gmail? Gmail. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So yeah, if you want to get in contact with Rod, uh, I will include links to everything 
in the description of this episode. So forfeit fatherhood on Instagram, forfeitfatherhood.com and forfeitfatherhood at gmail.com. If you want to contact Rod directly, um, man, I've had a good talk. And again, I, I think it would be, I think it would be beneficial for people listening to this today to go check out your podcast uh, and at least listen to the episode that we did because mm-hmm. putting the two together, I think kind of brings things to, to a whole. And so yeah. I would highly encourage that, but man, I, I really appreciate your insight, your wisdom, your experience that you have shared and uh, we'll stay in touch. Thanks for being with me today, man. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. appreciate you sharing the platform with me. And I appreciate you taking the time. Well, so much good was said, but I really want you to think about his stance on bones. He's not allowing his daughter to get one until she is an eighth grader. Even though the rest of her friends have a phone, he is holding firm to this decision. And I think that that's such a good thing. Staying true to your word is a good thing. Even outside of phones, that principle in and of itself is great. But with phones specifically, because of social media and because that all that is accessible when you have a mobile device in your hand, yes, there's a lot of good. And we can father our kids to focus on the good and to look for the good. But even with that being the case, there's so much bad as well. And there's so much that can just accidentally slip in front of their face. And so I think it's really important that we have the conversations like Rod talked about, that we are talking with our wife, that we are talking with our child, that we are helping them understand the decision. I love what he did with this. It's not just that he made the decision. He said, this is it. We're not talking about it. But as it comes up, he continues to have that same conversation. He continues to give his reason and explanation. He is open with his daughter about this decision. And I think that's something that we need to take away from this conversation. As dads, we have to be open to dialogue with our kids. We have to stay true to our word, but we have to have a reason and an explanation for our decisions. Don't be the dad that simply says, I told you so, and because I said it, that's the way that it's going to be. Have an explanation. Understand why you make the decisions that you make, whether it's with cell phones or anything else. Know why you say what you say and have those conversations with your kids and be willing to hear them out because who knows, every once in a while, they might prove your reasoning wrong and hopefully you can swallow your pride and accept that. But I hope today's conversation has really blessed you. Again, you can catch his interview with me on his podcast. That is the number four fit fatherhood. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts and you can get my end of the conversation. So I hope you put the two together. I hope you'll follow Rod and see what he's doing. I hope that you'll allow him to benefit and bless you as a father as well. But that's going to do it for us today. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. This is Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. Thank you so much for being with me, and I hope you will join me next time. Thank you again for listening to Fathering Our Future. If this episode has served you or you believe it will serve another dad in the future, make sure that you leave a like, a comment, a review, or share this so that it can reach another dad. And so that you don't miss out on another episode, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, for more great content, head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com.